Frontiers by Journey is quite possibly one of my favorite American rock albums of all time. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It, another Connor takeover. Hello, all you spinners and spinettes. Welcome back to another episode of the Spin It Podcast. Not a thing we've ever said, but yeah, welcome. <laughs> With me, as always, my partner in crime. And partner in law-abidingness. The peanut butter to my jelly, the pumpernickel to my bread. What? What? James. Thanks, but pumpernickel, like, isn't that just a kind of bread? Yeah, your point. Well, I don't... I don't know. That's You had trouble with Stevie Ray Vaughan saying <laughs> a pig is close to pork. I feel like saying pumpernickel is close to bread. Like it's the same kind of thing. Pumpernickel isn't just bread, is it? I don't know. All this time we've talked about it. I assume pumpernickel exists outside of bread. No, pumpernickel is a typically dense, slightly sweet rye bread. Whoa. Listen, don't ever say I can't admit when I'm wrong, but I'm not. okay whatever and because you didn't say your name that's connor oh i'm connor well i guess you said your name when you said it was a connor takeover but just to be clear you're the one that's taking over yeah i've taken over it's been a minute first one of the year of healing i'm excited for that your last pick was ray stevens episode 91 and i think that was kind of the start of healing i mean i know ray stevens had some goofy moments but definitely he was head and shoulders above your previous pick dr demento who was all goofy he was my final strike in the year of vengeance yeah but this album this one's gonna heal us i was really excited to see that you picked journey so believe it or not i mean i've known journey for a long time i've listened to their greatest hits a ton like the cd was in my car for a long time i went to their concert i've seen journey live and yet i've never ranked a single journey album Wow. I know. That's crazy. It is, and I don't know how they've escaped me all this time, but I was so excited to finally have the chance to listen through and score a proper Journey album. This is a first for me. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I picked a good one. I was torn between this and one of their other albums. So I was torn, for all you Journey fans out there, I was torn between Frontiers and Escape, which you know, are their two most successful albums. And I think the reason I picked Frontiers is, one, I just like more of the songs on it. So a little personal, a little personal reason. And two, I think the album fits together more cohesively on frontiers like escape has some crazy powerful songs on it don't get me wrong it's got don't stop believing right you know, don't stop believing open arms like probably my favorite power ballad of all time open arms but i just don't think the actual track by track flow is as clean as frontiers and so i thought this maybe had a better chance based on how James scores things. Yeah, this album was interesting. We'll get into it in a little bit, but I did know five of these 14 songs already. You knew five? Yes. Okay. A little more than a third. Which five? Which five? Good question. I already knew, coming into this, separate ways, of course. Yep. Send her my love, of course. Yeah. Faithfully, of course. Yeah. Only the young... Of course. And Ask the Lonely. Of course. You didn't know Chain Reaction. That's interesting. I didn't know Chain Reaction. No. Hmm. In fact, all of those songs were on the set list from the time I saw them in concert and on the Greatest Hits album that I listened to, I believe. There's some great hits. They are, truly. But yes, plenty of these songs were very new to me. How'd you get into Journey? I have no idea. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't remember 
how I got into Journey. They've just always been there. I think I got into them because I got into the genre and would just put on greatest hits playlists mm. and Journey kept popping up. And one day I just realized like, you know, you put on a greatest hits and sometimes you're like, I'm going to skip that one. I'm not in the mood. Oh, I'm going to skip that one. I'm not in the mood. One day I just realized all the ones I wasn't skipping were Journey songs. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> There's someone I've always wanted to see live. Oh, you should have called me last May. I know. They were on tour with Toto. I, that's when I saw Toto too. I know. So I was very jealous when you told me about that concert. I know. I got a couple spinning episodes out of that. Uh, 106 and now 110. <laughs> so teach me. Tell me about Journey. I know some things, but I don't know a lot. Okay. I tried to keep it brief. Their Wikipedia page is long. I could have uh, really taken you into it. Yeah. Well, we do have 14 whole songs to cover, too. I, I could have taken you on a journey, if you will. Ha. How many times are we going to make that joke? What's th- make your guesses now. <laughs> We're at one. I think we'll end with no less than five. <laughs> yeah, probably. So let's see. Let's start with the forming lineup. The band was formed by former members of Santana, which we did in 101, a Steve Miller Band, and Frumius Bandersnatch. Yeah. The forming members were Neil Sean on lead guitar, Ross Valerie on bass, George Tucker on rhythm guitar, Prairie Prince, which is a great name, by the way. It is. On dumbs, according to my notes, but on drums. <laughs> well, you know. Greg Raleigh on keyboards and their vocalist. Yeah. And he actually joined the summer before they debuted live as Journey. Yeah, that is remarkable. Neil Sean and Greg Rowley, those are the two that came over from Santana. But Neil Sean wasn't in Santana until Santana 3, the album after Abraxas, which we talked about. And Greg Rowley, I mean, we did talk about him. He's on Abraxas. He sang Mm -hmm. most of the vocals and Hope You're Feeling Better. And I was just shocked to realize that he was in Journey because I had no idea. Yeah. I know Steve Perry Journey. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm just going to jump right to their current lineup. They've had, they're a band that was plagued with lineup changes. Mm-hmm. Again, more on that in a moment. But their current lineup, Neil Sean, the oldest member from the original lineup. The only member from the original lineup. The only member really from the original lineup, but also, therefore, the oldest. <laughs> By default. And the youngest. <laughs> Still on lead guitar. Jonathan Kane is the rhythm guitarist. Dean Castronovo is on drums. Arnel Panetta is our lead vocalist, and Jason Derlotka is on keyboard. Yeah, but that's like the lineup like today. That's like today, today. There's there's a lineup in the middle, but also... There's several lineups in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but this, the Frontiers lineup still has like Jonathan Kane. It does. And notably Steve Perry. Yeah. Steve Perry, yeah, joined in 1977. I'll get there. You're jumping ahead of me. I know. I just want to make sure. I, like, I, he's, he's a part of it. He's a part of it. So the band originally formed, I don't know if you knew this fact. Nope. The band originally formed under the name Golden Gate Rhythm Section and intended to serve as like a backup group for other established artists. That's interesting. Yeah. And after just one performance that they did, they said, nope, not doing that, and decided to form themselves as a full-on actual band and developed a very distinctive jazz fusion style. I'm going to ask you a question. you get any jazz fusion vibes from this album? No, I can't say that <laughs> I get too many. I do get a lot of different vibes from this album. Jazz fusion wasn't not one, one of, of them. them. No. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, mm, there's one spot. We'll get there. Okay. Well, they also held a radio contest to rename themselves when they made this decision, but apparently that failed. Don't know how that failed. 
I don't know if they just didn't get any suggestions or if they all suck. <laughs> Maybe. But that failed, and eventually a roadie gave them the idea for Journey, which I think it's perfect for the roadie to give them the idea of the name Journey. Yeah, because like, that's what the roadie does is they, they journey with that's him. That's what he is. He goes on a journey. So, you know, they rename themselves. They get all their ducks in a row, and they have their very first public appearance on New Year's Eve at the Winterland Ballroom in 1973, where they performed for an audience of 10,000. That's a heck of a first performance. Imagine that being like your debut Woo. for anything. Yeah, were they like <laughs> opening for something or was it an event? I'm guessing New Year's Eve is probably a party. Yeah, I assume it was a party of some sort mm-hmm. or like maybe just like a collection of bands and they were one of the up and coming i mean they were all coming from other bands so, and they had former santana manager herbie herbert managing them so he probably was able to pull some strings to get them into whatever this was right a professional yeah but that's not the craziest part right so they did that on new year's eve right 10 1973 on new year's day the very next day they flew to hawaii and performed for a crowd of a hundred thousand then like on january 1st like the next day they flew there and performed yeah the next day jet lag and everything on the following day they flew to hawaii and performed at the diamond head crater for a hundred thousand wait really i've been to the diamond head crater yeah that's cool i had no idea that's like a volcano they performed their second ever concert for a hundred thousand people in a volcano crater yeah shoot that's (laughs) so cool like, that is awesome. Then, you know, riding the success, they immediately just kept on touring, doing performances. Took a slight little break in 1975 to record and release their debut album, Journey. Mm. Classic debut album title. That entered the charts at 138, so that's pretty good. I would say so. A year later, they decided to follow up that with their second album, Look Into the Future, which it entered at number 100 on the charts. However... Neither of these albums really sold very well, Um, didn't generate a lot of income. So their recording studio kind of set them down and said, this ain't working. We need you to change your music style and add a new lead singer or we're going to drop you. Wild. Imagine playing for 100,000 people, having two top 200 albums in a row and having that kind of pressure. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's what they did. Right around 1977, they hired Robert Fleshman. And made the transition to the style they are today. This led them to release some of their better known work. 1977 is also when apparently James's favorite member, Steve Perry, joined the band as their new lead singer. He just wasn't in either of your lineups and he's probably like the most famous member Journey's ever had. Yeah, they actually met him during another 100,000 crowd performance at Soldier Field in Chicago. Ooh. Basically, Robert Fleshman was not working out with their manager, Herbie Herbert. So he said, get out of here, Steve Perry, you're in. Fleshman's out, Perry's in sort of of situation. So then Perry made his live debut with the band in October of 1977, and the rest was kind of history. They went on to release some of their most popular albums, Infinity, Evolution, Departure, all in the late 1970s, early 1980s. And those albums, they took off, right? Each one selling better than the last. Some pretty popular songs came out of those, Wheel in the Sky, stuff like that. Leading to two albums that I mentioned at the top of the episode, Escape and Frontiers in the early 1980s. Escape in literally 1980 and Frontiers in 1983, releasing apparently like their you know their greatest hits right seriously who's crying now open arms don't stop believing if there's one song everybody knows by journey it's don't stop believing literally i mean like everybody it's like impossible of all the songs we've ever talked about on this podcast it's like 
one of the most well-known. Yeah. Which is another reason I kind of didn't want to pick that album, because I felt like that's what this episode would have turned into. It would have turned into the Don't Stop Believing episode. Yeah, and Journey, I mean, there's so much more to them than that. <laughs> Following the success of, specifically Escape, their fan club formed called Journey Force, which is, I think, a cool name for a fan club. Ooh, yeah. It matches their kind of sci-fi space themes. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Sci-fi space themes, mainly sci-fi themes. They released the song's only solutions and 1990s theme for the 1982 disney film tron dude i looked at this whole album cover i was thinking tron the entire time i looked at it and i didn't necessarily think tron when i listened to only solutions but totally actually i watched tron for the first time recently maybe i heard only solutions then yeah i must have <laughs> i didn't even realize it it was not my favorite movie in the world i don't mean to no i know spoiler alert tron was rough <laughs> <laughs> it was it was novel for its time. Yeah. Without Tron, movies wouldn't be the way they were today. And we'd never have Tron, the second one. <laughs> I forget what it was called. Tron re- Reloaded, Rebooted, Jeff Bridges Back. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Wikipedia claims it's the height of their popularity. And I'm not one to disagree with Wikipedia, but I think they're still pretty popular. But I get it. This was like the heyday, right? Yeah. Nothing could go wrong for them. Well. Well, <laughs> at that time. Yeah. The NFL did a film video documentary of their life on the road. I don't know why NFL Films was doing that, <laughs> but they were. Wow. It was a good time. As Davies went on, things got a bit rocky. A lot of personnel changes in the late 80s. Most notably was, unfortunately, Perry's departure from the band mm-hmm. due to tensions between, again, Perry and the band's manager, manager, Herbie Herbert. He was just tired of touring. It was affecting his health and his vocals, and he was just done. Well, also, didn't he, like, get surgery and then not recover fast enough, and the band got mad at him? He was like, I'm not ready. Yeah. Like, well, it was a whole thing. And I think they ended on rough terms, but I don't think it was, like, irreparable. It was not irreparable, because he comes back. Did he really? Oh. <laughs> We're getting there. They do go on hiatus from 1987 to 1995 after their Raised on Radio tour. That's when Columbia Records released the Greatest Hits compilation. Probably the one I've been listening to for decades. It became one of the best-selling Greatest Hits albums ever, selling over 15 million copies and continuing to sell half a million to a million copies per year. Wow. The compilation spent 750 weeks on the Billboard album charts until 2008. That's a lot of weeks. Yeah. Uh, They spent some of that hiatus collaborating with artists, though. They just kind of took a break from touring and releasing albums, but that didn't completely stop them from doing anything new. They worked with artists like Jimmy Barnes and Michael Bolton, and they formed a supergroup called Bad English. Yep. Oh, is that something you knew? No, I did know that. When I was learning about Neil Sean being in Santana, I learned about other stuff Neil Sean had been in, and um, obviously Bad English is one of those projects. Mm -hmm. It's also where they met Dean Castronovo, who is their current drummer. However, in 1995, the band decides to reunite. They make up with Perry under the condition that Herbie Herbert would no longer be the band's manager. So the band hired Irving Azoff, longtime Eagles manager, as their new manager. Hmm. <laughs> Herbert's out, Perry's in. <laughs> yeah. And they released their next album, Trial by Fire. Pretty rough way to have a trial. It, yeah, it reached number 12 on the Billboard charts, was wow. nominated for a Grammy. And yeah, it had some... That's some pretty good songs on it. Since then, they've kind of just been going from lineup change to lineup change with a couple of albums in between. They've had some of their uh, other albums in, in the early 2000s were Arrival and Generations where they had to replace. Listen, 
their lead singer, their record label told them, hire a new lead singer to help your keyboard vocalist mm-hmm. because he can't do it all by himself. And like that position must have been like cursed because it has been changed so many times. For a while, yeah. <laughs> it just kept being changed over and over. Like cause typically I feel like you're like singers like your front man normally. I feel like the person that's singing the songs is the most notable person from the band. It's the one most people are going to be able to pick out. Well, it's true. Right? Because that's the one they're listening to sing. But it's also whoever comes <laughs> next has just huge shoes to fill. It's not easy to get out here and sing Send Her My Love yeah. when everyone's used to Steve Perry. I mean, that's fair. But, you know, Steve Perry was gone. Then he was back. Then they had somebody else come in. And <laughs> they had to replace their drummer. And <laughs> it was just their keyboardist. And their lead singer again. Yeah. It's just it's a mess. Over and over but i really do think they got literally like a almost a vocal doppelganger as close as one could have gotten to steve perry with arnell pineda yeah arnell pineda pretty great yeah do you know how they found him i do but go ahead okay so you seem like you really want to tell it well i just i was excited about it i learned all about it they found him on youtube yeah he was singing youtube covers of journey songs from the philippines and people were like hey listen to this guy he sounds perfect for you at journey and journey was like no way fly him in here let's audition he thought it was a joke he had his friends email like forward him the link because they were trying to figure out how to get in touch with him and he's like ha this is a great practical joke guys i know you're not really journey trying to get me to audition that's so funny and they went no seriously and they're like but we are yeah and and that was that you know that was what 2007 yep 2007 yeah so it's been 15 years now and you know just so that he didn't miss out on the tradition of having your debut be in front of a large crowd Pineda's first performance with journey was in front of 20,000 fans in chile so uh <laughs> you know they gave him that trial by fire too yeah <laughs> and yeah i mean that's the band they're still on a journey they, they're still on a journey just here in 2020 they went on a journey to court whoa where they had to fire some band members after alleged attempted corporate coup d'etat and they sued some of the band members for excess of 10 million that's not so happy they went through some legal troubles just here recently in 2020 their 15th studio album, Freedom, was released just on July 8th, 2022. Oh, wow. It's barely a year old. Uh, yep. I'm not well practiced at this. Is there anything I missed? Well, I don't know. Not in particular. Like Anything that normally you would talk about? Well, we talk sometimes about their awards. You said they won Grammys and stuff. And Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Journey was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the class of 2017. Inductees were Steve Perry, of course, Neil Sean, Jonathan Kane, and Greg Rowley and Ross Valerie and Ansley Dunbar. Mm. Journey does rank number 96 on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. A USA Today opinion poll named Journey the fifth best U.S. rock band in history. Wow, that's... For whatever that's worth. Kind of high. No, I think that's right on the money. I mean, they've sold 48 million albums in the U.S., making them the 25th best-selling band of all time. Yeah. Their worldwide sales have reached over 100 million records, making them one of the world's best-selling bands of all time. In fact, they are the 58th best-selling artist of all time. Wow. So that's bands and solo artists. How much of that is Don't Stop Believing? Probably a lot of it, to be <laughs> I, fair. I would think a lot, a lot of it. That and their Greatest Hits album that yeah. literally was on the charts for like 10 years. 15 years, if it's <laughs> 750 weeks. There you go. Well, that is exciting. Like I said, we're doing Frontiers. It is. Only made it to number two on the Billboard, U.S. Billboard charts. Only? <laughs> they only made it to number two? Well, it's just being their second, their second best of their disc- discography. 
think it would have hit number one. I mean, I guess so. Well, but maybe, I mean, 1983, there could have been something else topping the charts right about then. Yeah, you're right. That's probably what happened. It was certified six times platinum, and they had four main singles, Separate Ways Faithfully, After the Fall, and Send Her My Love, mm. all of which performed quite well. And, yeah, that's all I got. I think it's time to get the mixtaper out here. Oh, boy. Are you, do you think you're ready? You, you've had a long time to, you know, recharge. I'm ready. Ready. Okay. Well, that's good. I've got a strategy for this one. you got a strategy? What? Can you tell me what your strategy is? I'll say it when the mixtape gets here. I want him to hear it. Okay. Well, just to recap, though, he's never beaten you. The best he's ever done is 50-50. And on Ray Stevens, yep. you did shut him out hard. Ooh, I did. He tried to do this whole classic careers thing. It was a rough one. You saw right through all his schemes, and then his second round... You just also did not believe a single lie that he told. And so <laughs> you really stuck it to him and have been progressively. I think he used to be excited about these Connor Pick <laughs> episodes, and I think that's kind of started to turn into dread. But um, Oh, no. Well, yeah, but let's get him on out here and see what he says. Come on out, Mixie. Hey, I'm here. It's me. I'm I'm here for the year of healing. How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm I'm nervous. I, I have butterflies in my mixtaper stomach. Mixtaper. Stop eating butterflies then. I told you. They're not part of a balanced diet. <laughs> You're right. That would be a good place to start. Listen, mixtaper, the year of healing, I know James and I need to heal, but I also feel like you and I need to heal. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, like James said, I feel like I really demoralized you during the year of vengeance. Well. I, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, we're roommates after all. Well, things have been okay. So I'm going to try something for you. What are you going to try? I'm going to try to give you a perfect week. You're behind. <laughs> the goal for this year is to, the, the, the goal for this year is to end 50-50 and James keeps messing it up. So you're behind a little bit. So this will not only help get you back up to 50-50 with us, but it'll, you know, you know. I want you to be able to say you've beaten me. So well, I'm going to. I don't want. No, no. I'm I don't gonna, want you to I'm, take a dive. I want to be fair and square. My goal is to give you a perfect week. That's well, my, my goal, goal is to also to make that happen, but. Good. We have the same goal then. No, don't go easy on me. <laughs> I am, though. I don't ever get to play against you. So I'm just I'm trying to make it a special occasion a little bit, you know? And I don't think I've ever made you do this. So pick a number. Oh. Out of four, I assume. Out of three. Out of three? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's start with number one. Okay. Start with number one. Steve Perry loves to farm, and that is no bull. Does that mean he has a bull farm? There are bulls involved. Yes. Oh, all right. Tell me, how are these bulls involved? Well, after Journey, after he retired from the music business and the band, he purchased a small cattle insemination business. Ah. So... Some bulls are involved, intimately involved. I see. So he's going around helping create new cows. Yes. Yeah, he's a cow maker. <laughs> I see. When did he start this? Uh, sometime after he left Journey. I don't know the exact date. Interesting. Is it still going on? I believe so. Steve Perry, what I've uh, discovered is he has a pretty private life now. He's really retreated from the spotlight. And more power to him. However, I don't necessarily have a ton of details for some of my facts this week i see but there's more i mean this is just his second at least second experience with farming oh what's his other well before he worked with bulls he worked with birds yeah he worked on a turkey farm when he was a youngin he started out in a band called alien project after alien project broke up he worked as a coop repairman 
on a turkey farm. This was after? Did you say after or before Journey? Before Journey, but after his band Alien Project. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Worked on a turkey farm. Yes, I understand that this fact sounds like a combo of Perry Family Forest and Kendrick Lamar's Pet Turkey. Uh, I realized as I was writing it down, I was like, hmm, we've kind of touched these things before, but Steve Perry, he's all about cattle and fowl. Huh. Is there anything else I I should know about this? No, not in particular. Okay. I think this is a spin. Okay. Why is that? And I think half of it's a spin. I think you found either the turkey farm or the cow farm and made up the other one is my guess but because i want you to have a perfect week i think i'll say fact unless you don't want me to take it easy on you i don't you said you didn't want me to take it easy on you i don't know what to do now i genuinely do not want you to take it easy on me i i'm excited for this week yeah but it'd be so demoralizing for you no but (laughs) because it would really be like i got a i got the perfect week even though you did right like it would take all the fun out of it for you and i really want to do that but that's not healing that's not healing (laughs) i know i tried to disguise my intentions as healing but it's not no i only get to play against you once every like 20 episodes play real all right all right well in that case i think i'll lock in spin all right you're locking in spin yep okay well i don't know how to feel about this because that's a true fact really yeah that's real that's all true and steve perry works in cattle insemination now he sends them his love. Well, they send him their love, you know. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally didn't know that. I don't like the way that you're talking. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It makes it sound like you did know that. I don't know. You got that one fair and square. I Okay. Yeah, I got that one fair and square. Now I'm going to be really suspicious if I get a perfect week. It's not going to feel real. <laughs> but it's also not going to happen. I know how this goes. Pick another number between two and three. Uh, let's go in order, too. Going in order. Okay. Good, good, good. Neil Sean got shoved in the basement. Sorry, what? Neil, Neil Sean got shoved in the basement. Okay. Like, as a kid? As a minor, yeah. Wait, okay, so how old was he? I presume under 18, maybe under 21. No, he was definitely under 18. Okay. Probably in his 15, 16 days. Where was this? The Bay Area. Broadway, to be specific. Oh. What basement did he get shoved in? All kinds. Well, not all kinds. Really, just the kind of basements that are beneath jazz and blues clubs, but multiple why did he get shoved okay there's the question that it took you way too long to ask (laughs) i'm trying to get my bearings before i found out why sure sure well he would get shoved in the basement because all the owners of these clubs like he would go door to door with his guitar and just solicit gigs say hey i can play guitar if you need that and he would come on in and any club owners that would let him come play they would be like look you're a great guitarist you can't be seen in here don't drink any water don't drink anything at all as soon as you're done playing you get off that stage you go to the basement and hang out there till you're ready to play again okay then (laughs) i know i know so not like physically shoved into the basement just like contained out of sight hidden dirty little secret in the basement Hmm. anything else i should ask no like i said you you don't have a lot of information so i'm kind of leaving it up to you to (laughs) determine when i've hit the wall (laughs) no you hit hit the wall that's about all i've got on that one all right i think i'll say that one's true okay unless you want me to take it easy on you then i'll say it's false i don't want you to take it easy on me how many times you mean like i did on the last one are we gonna go over this what what 
kidding. Uh, this is a true fact. Lock okay. it in. Okay. Locked in. Locked in. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? No, but I'm sticking with it. Well, sticking with it is the right call because this is a true fact. Oh, you scared me there. <laughs> you, got it, you got it right. That one was good. He got shoved in a basement just walking around with a guitar, just looking for gigs cold off the streets. Hmm. It was pretty great. I'm a little flabbergasted by bull insemination still. I'm sorry. I, uh, I feel like that one just really flat got me. I know. I feel a little off my game. I'm, I'm a little worried. Oh, good. Oh, great. <laughs> Just, if you're off your game now, I only hope to perpetuate that more. Okay. Pick a number between three. Uh, three. Okay. No, 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 no. Three. Okay, good choice. <laughs> I was going to go with the first one, but I wasn't happy about it. Number three, of course, Steve Perry went on a journey. All right, that's like, what, number three for those keeping <laughs> it's track? The third, it's the third journey joke. <laughs> yeah, I maybe set that bet knowing I had at least one in the in the chamber. Yeah. Where do you go on a journey to? Chicago. Don't you dare say Mordor. No, oh, not okay. Mordor. <laughs> one does not simply walk into Mordor, even if that one is Steve Perry. One does not simply walk into Chicago. No, he probably didn't. <laughs> I don't know how he got there, but it probably was not a walk. All right. I'm sure he's been to... I mean, I think I mentioned him performing in Chicago. That's like where they met. Well, that's true. Yes. What specifically was he in Chicago for this time? Well, he also made a journey from Chicago to Houston, but he was... There to party with the White Sox. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. For what reason? For the World Series. Oh. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, uh, in 2005, the Chicago White Sox went to the World Series. And the whole season, they had been using Don't Stop Believin' as their unofficial team anthem. I'll be honest. I kind of wish they hadn't gone to the World Series that year, but the whole like White Sox team decided just to go watch it and invited Steve Perry to party with them. Just to go watch the World <laughs> Series. I mean, that'd be cool. <laughs> But anyway, so they went, and you said they were using Don't Stop Believing" as their anthem. Okay. Yeah, they were loving it that season. In 2005, for some reason, it was it was really huge for the White Sox. And so you said he went to Houston as well? Yeah, well, Houston's where the World Series was played. Ah. Yeah. Fun. Did he like to give like the celebrity pitch or whatever? Do they do that for the World Series? I don't know if he threw out the first pitch or not, but I know he was at least at the game. Nice. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a San Francisco Giants fan. Did he, like, perform? He did not perform during the World Series, but he partied with them on the field after they won and in the locker room, which is super cool. And after they did win, he did perform Don't Stop Believin' during their victory parade. Oh, that's awesome. Right? I like this. I do, too. And you actually had a lot of information. Hmm. I think I see what you've done here. I'm locking in fact for this one. <laughs> okay. Why? What have I done? I think... You finally learned some self-control, little mixtaper. You couldn't help yourself but lie to me over and over again in some of our previous rounds. I think this time you went all facts. Okay. I think this one and the next one will be a fact. <laughs> I say that now. I <laughs> uh, get Playing my cards ahead, and you'll probably now turn it into a spin just to prove me wrong. But I think that's the game you're playing here. Okay. Okay. So you think I've not lied. Correct. Steve Perry went on a journey, but not with Journey, yeah. with the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Partied in the locker room after they won the World Series and sang during their parade. Hey. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Everything I have told you is true. This is a fact. Woo! Mm-hmm. Steve Perry actually loves baseball overall. He said the electronic aspect of music started wearing me out. There's not a lot of live musicians being played on the radio. But when I'm watching baseball, these guys walk out there and hit, play, catch, run. They're just killing it. There's no auto-tune for baseball. They have to play. So he just likes the analog style of it. You know, there's... No safety nets. You got to be good. Get out there and use your talents. Okay. Yeah. 
Hit me with that last true fact. Well, here's what I'll tell you right off the bat. Okay. Everything I am about to tell you is also true. You are so correct. I knew it. I nailed it. You nailed it. You're so correct. Said I missed that first one. I could have I could have had a perfect week. No, I don't know about that. Okay. I did exercise a lot of self control after what happened with ray stevens classic careers i realized i better not put all my eggs into one basket the following was about to be my one basket and i said no i can't do this what if he catches on right away (laughs) oh no you wait the following oh no what was your one basket gonna be we've got a round of fast fire facts coming your way you were gonna only do fast fired facts oh no oh no 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 this is not a normal fast fire facts oh no i like to call this little segment steve or perry what i looked up (laughs) what is this i I looked up a lot of true (laughs) facts about steve perry i also looked up a lot of true facts about perry the platypus secret agent and pet of beloved Disney Channel characters Phineas and Ferb. Oh boy, I love this. I have 25 true pieces of information for you. It's either true about Steve Perry the guy or Perry the platypus. Oh, like like you went to like Perry the platypus's like wiki page and like found all this information about him? <laughs> oh, not just his wiki, but yes. I love this. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> Steve or Perry. Yeah, so that's what you're going to do. I'm going to say a fact You're going to say Steve. If it's Steve Perry, you're going to say Perry. If it's Perry the platypus, like I did to James, you're going to have to get two thirds right to earn the point. That's what the rules were for the Beatles episode. You'll need 16.66 to win. Call it 17. I feel like I can't lose here. What do you mean you feel like you can't lose? If I try my hardest and I beat you, then I continue my streak of beating you or at least not losing. I mean, I can't lose at this point because I got two right. But if I lose this, you know, it just makes us 50-50 which is what we want for the year of healing anyways. That's true. I I really think it's going to be difficult. Okay. You know what? Fine. Challenge accepted. Let's go. Okay. You, I'm just saying Steve or Perry. Steve or Perry. And I got to get how many right? You have to get 17. I got to get 17? Yes. What? That seems so high. I know. Well, it's, it's two-thirds, just like James had to do. Okay, fair enough. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, practice round, just so everyone gets the concept. I will say uh, something to the effect of, he was the former lead singer of Journey. You'll say... Steve. Steve. Boom. Uh, or I'll say he's a semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal of action. Perry. Perry. Perfect. You're... I'm so good at this game. Let's go. I'm getting a perfect score. All right. We got 25 fast fire facts. Let's begin. Sunshine is Sagittarius. Perry. Okay. I'm impressed. This isn't fast fire at all. Let's go. Sorry. Steve Perry <laughs> is an Aquarius. Oh. He's ambidextrous. Perry. Good job. That's Perry the platypus. He wears a golden pendant. Uh, Steve. Steve. Good job. Steve Perry. Golden pendant given to him on his 12th birthday by his mother. Wears it for luck. Ate an entire wheel of cheese. Oh, gosh. What? <laughs> Perry. I just fast fire facts. Go, go. Fast fire facts. There we go. Perry the platypus. That's correct. Loves Christmas. Always smiles Perry. when he sees Santa Claus. Good grief. Perry, yes. <laughs> I had to make up for the last one. It's true. <laughs> Makes an E sound when his tongue is grabbed. What? <laughs> what? You heard me. What? Probably both of them, to be fair. But uh, we'll say Steve. You're saying Steve Perry makes an E sound when his tongue is grabbed? I'm saying, I'm saying Steve, yeah. I hate you. It's true. That's Steve Perry. <laughs> 
I just I, I thought about it after I said probably both of them. I don't think a parapost would go e. I think it would make a different noise. It's true. He does it. He does it when he gets his vocal cords checked. He says his doctor sticks a garden hose type camera down his nose, and then she grabs his tongue, and he has to go e to get his vocal cords checked. <laughs> Used to be friends with Kitty the cat. Is that a cat I should know? No. Oh, just a cat named Kitty the cat. Hmm, okay, I don't remember a Kitty the cat in Phineas and Ferb. So uh, Steve. You don't know everything, but that's Steve. <laughs> He's great at playing cards and occasionally visits the local casino. What? <laughs> uh, it's been a minute since we had Perry. Perry. Okay, correct. That's Perry the Platypus. His name at birth was Bartholomew. Perry. That one I knew. That one I knew. Correct. Has a stepdad named Marv. Oh, uh, well, Perry the Platypus was adopted by Phineas and Ferb, so wouldn't have a stepdad. So, Steve. Correct. Wow. See, you've already got 10. You're going to do fine. Told you, I'm going for a perfect. Let's go. He's a pretty good DJ in his spare time. Perry? Yep, that's Perry the Platypus. He's proficient at double Dutch jump roping. Perry? Correct. He enjoys horseback riding, good books, and long walks on the beach. Steve. No, Perry. I need a, I need a definitive. That was a waiver. Ah, uh, Perry. Perry. Perry? Correct. Darn you. <laughs> he loves and is pretty darn good at the game Pachisi. Stop giving me Perrys. That's also Perry. You're right. <laughs> Once paid $20 to borrow a skateboard. What? <laughs> Again, I want to say both, but I think you're still giving me parries. That's still parry. You're 15 for 15. This sucks. <laughs> His favorite color is cobalt blue. Ooh. I bet you parries is brown. That's why he wears the brown hat. So we'll say Steve. Whatever. Performed in an opera. Come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Perry. That's Perry. Darn it. That's 17. When in doubt, I'm going to say Perry. Oh, wait. That's the 17 I need. That's what I need. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Great. Uh, his vocal range spans three octaves. Well, Perry can't sing. He's in an Perry opera. What do you mean? This, this is garbage. Just because he performs and it doesn't mean he sings. He does sing, actually. Oh, really? Mm hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, then. Well, I'm still going Steve because you said that this sucks. So. All right. It's still Steve. <laughs> he has a collection of tuxedo coats. Steve. Steve. Where's contact lenses? Oh, that's a Perry. I know that one. That's correct. This Perry the Platypus plays the drums. Oh, well, wait. Well, this would have to be both or just Steve. So we'll say Steve. Plays the guitar and bass guitar. That was Steve. Uh, that one would be Perry. That is correct also. Is a light sleeper and has occasional lucid dreams. What? <laughs> I went in doubt. I'm sticking with Perry. Perry. Perry is correct. Spent time in Seattle. There's, I mean... There's no way Steve didn't go to Seattle on tour. It's a pretty Tory city. So I guess I'll go I guess I'll go Steve. Ooh, do you remember the Phineas and Ferb episode Meepless in Seattle? Yeah, I kind of I was I couldn't remember if, if Perry was in Seattle in that episode. And also, does that mean it's both? Did you did yeah, you pull both, both on me here? It's both That's of them. That's annoying. <laughs> That's annoying. That means I wasn't wrong. No, it's true. <laughs> and last but not least, he is forever yours. Faithfully. Well, that's also both. Uh, Perry Platypus is in each of our hearts. Well, that one's only Steve Perry. But now you see why I didn't put all my eggs into one basket, because that was absolutely <laughs> terrible. It was fun. You told me not to take it easy on you. You, you went 25 <laughs> for 25. You you really know you're Perry the Platypus. I'm a huge fan of Phineas and Ferb. You knew that about me. We've literally talked about how like Phineas and Ferb is like one of the best kid shows ever. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you know that he's ambidextrous or that you know his sun sign is Sagittarius. To be fair, that one was a guess. <laughs> that was a darn good guess. <laughs> to be fair, I started off, I was just going to name Perry for all of them because I my strategy originally going in was going to be there's no way he didn't include a majority of stuff about Perry the Platypus if he did all this stuff in there so i have a good chance of getting the number i need and then you hit 
and then you hit ones like the pendant that I knew about. Yep. Well, that is another <laughs> another loss for me. I can't beat you. I'm so sorry. I wanted to heal us. I wanted to give it to you, and you wouldn't let me. Maybe next time, I suppose. We'll see where your next pick lands us. But for now, this was this was a lot more fun, I think, than previous rounds. Ray Stevens was no fun. I just got discouraged, and it was terrible. <laughs> I think Doctor Demento was almost fun. So let me give you another. Let me give you a piece of advice. You went crazy with the spins on Ray Stevens. Yo, didn't spin at all here on Journey. Maybe try a nice balance next time. Well, the <laughs> I, the nice balance. I didn't want a balance. I figure you usually catch my lies. I see. One thing I was a little disappointed you didn't use. I pulled a James here and held one piece of information into my back pocket, thinking it might be potential factor spin information. And that's about one of their members that I thought maybe you would you would bring up. American Idol judge Randy Jackson. True, I did not talk about Randy Jackson. I thought for certain there might be some Randy Jackson stuff that pops up in Factor Spin. That was a no from me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time. I will see you later. <laughs> I guess I'm... Oh, I knew this would happen. I just... Next I'm time, so I'll, sorry. I'll do better. I wanted I'll, to heal us. We'll heal. We've got a whole year. No, No, we can't heal all the way on the first episode of the year of healing for us. That's true. It's a journey. It's a healing. Healing is, healing a, is journey. a journey, and I think that makes four <laughs> jokes. So, <laughs> with that, I will go back to the untrue and sulk. Yeah. Welcome back, James. Thank you. That was uh, that was exciting. Yeah. You got really lucky on some of those. I thought for sure the e sound when his tongue was grabbed would be more of a roadblock. No, that had to be Steve. There was no way that wasn't gonna be Steve. That was probably the most obvious one. Nah, maybe. Wheel of Cheese gave me the most struggle because it, like... it did. It's a weird one. I really thought you'd be all over that. Pull insemination. Well, good. See, you learn things in the year of healing. Yeah, I also feel a little bad. I I knew the the baseball one. The baseball one? You took it from him. He told me not to hold back. No, he did. That's right. Oh, I'm proud of you. That was good. Well, let's talk about the album art, shall we? Shall we indeed? Let's do it. I don't quite know what to make of this album art on Frontiers. <laughs> it's a face with a big five head, Tim McGraw style five head. And it looks like he's breathing through <laughs> one of those ventilator things that they use like in Star Wars. Oh, man, I'm not going to be able to unsee that. Uh, doesn't it, though? I know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> he looks like he's headed to Gungan City with his little ventilator thing. Tell me more about this artwork if you know it, because I'm curious. How's this a frontier? Yes. The name of that little five-head bugger, his name is Elmo. He's got a name? Yeah, his name is Elmo. What? Okay. Well, this is, is this pre-Sesame Street? 1979 is when Elmo was created. Yeah, so that's still got this beat by four years. Yeah, his name is Elmo, and it was, and he was uh, Steve Perry's idea. <laughs> what is the idea? It's a, it's a big blue thing. So, so yeah, his name is Elmo, and that's why uh, the opening to the Frontier tour shows is Elmo's theme. Oh, yeah, and I also have to be, um, I have to point out that his face is cobalt blue, the favorite color of Steve Perry. It's true. And he's meant to be the driver of the Scarab. The Yeah, that's the... They've used that logo a lot in their later albums, too. The greatest hits and stuff. Yeah. The Scarab is, Correct. like, one of their major icons. Yeah, so he, he's, he's the driver for the Scarab. And it wasn't originally supposed to be the album art. There was a whole other album art that was already done, wrapped up, ready to go. And Perry went, no, I want this alien dude with a five head. Yeah. And the band was like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Go for it. Any way you want it. That's the way you need it. And uh, we're going to play a fun little game. Guess that dollar amount. Guess how much the album cover cost. Cost? 
Oh, gee. Well, they commissioned an artist to do it, right? I think I'm going to say this cost 100 bucks. No, nowhere close. Am I too high or too low? Uh, way too low. $1,000. Still way too low. $3,000. Still way too low. $25,000. Still way too low. No way. $100,000. Oh, way too high. Uh, not way too high, but too high. $60,000. Good grief. $60,000. Wow. $60,000 for the album art. Why? I don't really know why. Well, it does. it's kind of in the same theme as their other albums, like scrolling through and looking at other album covers. At least they're, you know, post-1977 ones. But it is, it is notably different. There's a lot of motion happening in their other album covers, and this one doesn't necessarily give off the same vibes. I quite like it. It grows on you, I think. It's a, it's a strange one to look at at first, but after a while, it's neat. I think it fits their sound. It really does. It's that sci-fi space age strangeness. Yeah. And it's, and again, keeping in mind that this came out after Escape, which had the scarab like blasting out of a broken planet as its album art. I think it's cool to have the driver. Mm-hmm. Cool. It is. I see a quote that says, it's not meant to be an alien. It looks like the artist says, he was a connection to a higher level of listening to Journey. <laughs> That's what he represents. I see. But yeah. Are we ready to get into the tracks? We got 14 of them. We do. We better get rolling. Up first, Separate Ways, also known as Worlds Apart. But mostly really only known as Separate Ways. Yeah. I don't. I might know what you were talking about if you called it Worlds Apart, but really just Separate Ways is what it is in my brain. Yeah. Probably the most well-known track from this album. If not the most well-known, is Darn Close. Yeah. It, it's definitely top, like, three. It helps to start an album that I've never heard with tracks that I do know. I think, for me, okay. well, like, some of these picks you've given, I've known stuff in the middle, some of them I haven't known at all, but like this, I'm already about it. You know, I like this song, I'm into it right off the bat, and the same, I mean, it continues with Sender My Love, so it gives me an easy way to plug in. Journey is just an interesting band to me. Like, they've got such a unique style of music, and it's big, and it's loud, and it's synthetic, mm-hmm. but also, it's, it's different, because from what I've heard, you know, listening to this album once, and especially, you know, just knowing the greatest hits and stuff, it feels like the kind of stuff that's usually very dated or out of style but i don't think journey is is. yeah it just it seems like it should be at least not their popular stuff no other (laughs) stuff like this would be left in the dust yeah so i wonder what it is about journey that makes them the ones to stick around i think a lot of it's the vocal work I really do think it is. I mean, he, they don't call him the voice for nothing. And I think this is a great album opener. It builds. It sets you up for everything that's to come. Imagine you're at the start of a concert, right? And, you know, you're just like, you're ready for the concert to start, whatever. And then this song comes on and just within like the first 30 seconds, you, you're pumped up. You're ready to go. You're like, let's do this thing. You know, it, it it's a pump up song. You might think so, but they started the concert with the Star Spangled Banner and then only the young. Well, <laughs> we started at the end of this album. To be fair. You weren't on the Frontiers tour. No, that's true. Where they would have started with Elmo's theme, which builds into this nicely. Right. This song is so long, but it's so fun. I, I don't really mind the length of it even a little bit. No, I don't. I think it flies by. Mm-hmm. It really does. They have a couple of songs that I'm like, okay, that could maybe have been 30 seconds shorter. But for the most part, none of their songs are too long for me. I do believe that if you say it's one of your favorites of all time. And I just like the punchiness to it. You know, someday love will find you. You know, it's just so punchy. It's great. Yeah. I also, I love the tags he does at the end where that really show off his full vocal range because it's higher and different than everything else he's done to this point in the song. It just gets you excited. I think Separate Ways goes really hard, to be honest, which is, I think, funny because one of the things I think Journey is at least as well-known for, if not more well-known for, is their softer side. Yeah. They have a ton of those power ballads and stuff, and I feel like that softer side is super apparent on the next track, Send Her My Love. Send Her My Love. 
send her my love. Yeah. This is another one you knew, right? Absolutely. And it's just, it is so nostalgic to push play on this one. It feels, this song feels 80s. I can see the cheesy music video happening in my head right from that very first run on the synth. Uh-huh. It's there in my head. I don't know if I've ever heard much that's more 1983 than that. But like in a good way. In a way that's aged well, yeah. To me, it's like a nostalgic 1983, not a like, oh, this is 1983. <laughs> right. And as you know, I love ballads. I did know that. What do you think of the chorus? I think the chorus is so catchy. Yeah, it is. The, that little do-do-do-do on the synth right before it starts into the center, my love. It, it's a good vocal run for that chorus. Like, the lyrics are simple, but they do a lot of work within those simple lyrics. Yeah. Again, I really think without the vocal talents of a pair of the platypus, <laughs> maybe these songs wouldn't necessarily be as as strong, but they sure are. It's true. I really like the song. I don't know if the chorus is different enough from the verses. Like, Separate Ways obviously has very distinct sections. Really? But I think, well, I think it's because the synth runs through it so similarly in the verse and the chorus. So it doesn't it doesn't pop as much. No, because the verses are so much slower, and then they speed it up for the chorus. Eh. The verses are very are, are very drawn out, and then and, and then the chorus they they pick up the tempo. Yeah, but even behind those more drawn out melodies, the piano still goes do 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 like all the time. So that never goes away. That's the motif. Yeah, but it just doesn't. But everything end. else is different. Yeah, but the chorus doesn't pop as much because of it. I disagree. Fair enough. I do love that breakdown that happens around 3 minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. It's so cool. Just great. And I love the way that they drag out the ending of the song, too. Center My Love, solid. Solid song. Definitely a good track to have already known. So, But then we hit your first one you didn't know, Chain Reaction. Yeah, we did. And it was off to a rocky start. Yeah? Yeah, not rocky like, oof, bad. Rocky like... It rocks, you know. Oh, it rocked. Okay. Yeah, like it, it was, it was a harder rock song. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. Honestly, it's harder than Separate Ways. I bet you she's the one. That was one of my bullet points. I bet you. Yeah. I think the verse in this song is really wild, but a little unmemorable. The verse. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's so long. It is takes a long time to get anywhere. That's true. I liked that this is the first time we kind of got a lot of non-Steve Perry vocals in the call and response style of the bet you and then the responding. What do you think about the chorus? With the chain reaction. Melodically really cool. And like... Did that have the, the pop to it that you wanted? Certainly. Certainly a ton of pop there. That chorus... And I think that works on this one. But I think on Center of My Love, I think the problem is I like that the chorus... By putting that motif with the synth throughout the verses, it really makes the, the chorus the focal point of the song and the verses are just there to support it. That's true. Whereas on this one, it's more of a back and forth. Yeah. I think lyrically, this one is interesting because it's less of them telling a story line by line like the other two songs. Uh-huh. And this is more like they're just throwing bursts of words at you that you have to piece together. But but like they all go together. Not in the same vague way the inner wave did. It's very specific. Yeah, I like it. Chain reaction, shades of passion, we surrender, lose control. You know, like that... It's just a series of little bursts. It's a cool instrumental at the end. Journey's really good about their ending instrumentals is what I learned. Yeah. I didn't love the beginning and the moment. It was off to, I mean, a rocky oh, and rocky a rocky start. start in both <laughs> senses of the word. But by the end of the song... This is definitely one that grows on you as the song goes on. Big time. And I think it's just because it is so different from the first two. And everything else I've ever heard by Journey. It's a bit of a shock. Once I had heard all the pieces, I really did get used to the shock of it. That is so exactly what my last note said. It grew on me a lot by the end once I'd heard all the pieces and got used to the shock of it. 
we're very in sync about that. That's good. Mm-hmm. And now for the next track, Winter. <laughs> and that's a joke, audience, because the next one is After the Fall. Right, and After the Fall, you know, comes the winter. Is, is winter. And what do you think of this one? I love the drums on this one right off the bat. It's like a march right out of the gate. Uh-huh. And it was different, too, because everything now has been loud and synthy in your face, right? Separate Ways is huge. Chain Reaction is huge. Center My Love yep. is slower, but still very big. Still very synth-heavy. Yeah. After the Fall is really just mostly drums with the little synth verse, synth bursts, and I like the change for the first verse. It gave it a lot of room to grow dynamically. Yep. So we've talked about how, you know, each of these songs have kind of been different in their own way, right? But as you kind of just said, they're all kind of had something that connects them, right? Separate Ways was bigger. Center of My Love was more of a ballad, but yet it was still felt the same because of how much synth there was. Chain Reaction was another bigger song and felt probably of on the album, probably the most out of scope of the vibe. But yet still, it didn't feel... 100% out of place. And then I think the same thing's true with this one. This one, even though it doesn't rely on the synth as much, still feels very much like it belongs on this album. Yeah, it's at home here. I did have to laugh at the line, can't stop falling, heartache's calling, because then doesn't that kind of undermine your whole after the fall thing? If you can't stop falling, there's no after the fall. <laughs> what if that's the point? Oh, maybe. I really do, though. That chorus, pre-chorus, what is it? Where the vocals slow down and they can't stop falling apart. It's like a choir. It's really emotional, really cool. Yeah. I actually liked After the Fall a good bit, and I'm surprised I don't know it. I'm surprised this was new to me, <laughs> or that it's not around more, maybe. It's a good song. It is, and we're four for four on cool instrumentals at the end. Uh-huh. It's just a blast. That brings us into what could be the other most well-known song on the album. Yeah. Faithfully. Genuinely one of the best Journey songs of all time. Hands down, bar none, Faithfully is so good. Yeah. I have to point out, Highway Run into the Midnight Sun. Is the Midnight Sun the moon? Because <laughs> I, I feel like we're still- You know it is. <laughs> we're still in the moon era. <laughs> It's not the only time we're in the moon era, don't worry. Oh, boy. But yes, that is, in my opinion, the moon. What a pretty song, though. It's another touring is hard song, right? Just like the price from Twisted Sister or Leonard Skinner's I Need You. Yeah. It's just pretty and sad. And it's so refreshing to just have the piano and his voice. Uh-huh. It We strip back even further with Faithfully. Uh-huh. It's nice. When I think of On the Road is Hard songs, this is like the one that comes to mind every time. I know we've done a lot of them. A few, yeah. And there's a lot of good ones, you know, but this is like the one that like when that sentiment is brought up, this, I compare it to this song. <laughs> well, yeah, how can you not? That synth hook is iconic. Ba, 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 da, da. <laughs> it's so good. It's great. And I love a lot of these lyrics, too. Two strangers learn to fall in love again. I get the joy of rediscovering you. Uh-huh. How amazing. I think this might be some of the strongest lyrical work on the album. Easily. Not to say the rest of it's weak. No, but this is definitely a, if not the, high point. Yeah. But the tragic part is, Jonathan Cain wrote these lyrics, right? He wrote this song. And then, like, really shortly after it was released, he and his wife divorced. Yeah. So that gives it even more weight, situationally. That's sad. That is sad. But... Still a great song. It does a good job of, like, ebbing and flowing. Like, it feels like you're on a wave, right? You know, like, the pre-choruses kind of build, the verses settle back out, and then the pre-chorus builds. It's just a nice ebb and flow. Yeah. But after two really slow songs, I think we were due to kick it back up again. Oh, yeah. With Edge of the Blade. Edge of the Blade kicked it back up again. I feel like I at least knew of this one, but probably never heard it. Mm. The guitar gets a lot more spotlight on this one. Yes, it does. Great opening guitar riff and some really cool dissonance in there. 
It's not what I expected from Journey, really, honestly. So much of their stuff that I know is wicked heavy on the synth, and that's not to say there's no guitar, uh-huh. but it's very rarely guitar-dependent like this. I'll be honest, this is the first song that I think could be a little too long. Hmm, okay. I didn't feel that with this. I, I felt it just in general with every song being four minutes, four and a half minutes. Like, I was just... Yeah. I felt it collectively. Never on one song, though. Those first five, I just get so caught up in. I don't really even care how long they are. But this one, there's something about it. Maybe the fact that it repeats the chorus over and over towards the end that I'm like, okay, you could have cut one of those off. It's true. It's lyrically very easy. One long verse and a chorus over and over. Yeah. But I do love the way the chorus hits. I mean, repetitive or not, it is pretty strong in how it lands. But I don't know how well it matches up with the main riff and the rest of the song. It kind of feels a little bit on an island. I don't know. You almost expect it to go a little harder vocally because of what the instrumentals are doing, but it's still got that like smooth synthetic sound to his voice. Mm-hmm. And so there's that weird dissonance there. You got him singing all synth and smooth, and all of a sudden you got the guitar comes in all rough with it. And it's like, hang on. Yeah, I will say, based on your precious Spotify plays, we do appear to be getting into a rougher or less popular stretch of the album. At least that was my initial thought as we were coming down the stretch. And I was looking at it. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. That is what it shows. But think about how long this album's been out since before Spotify existed. Oh, yeah, sure. As you like to point out. Reversing all the roles today. (laughs) Yeah. And to, you know, not every album can be like Michael Jackson's all hits album, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. That'd be awful. If every album was all hits, ugh. Yeah. But Troubled Child definitely did reaffirm that belief a little bit. Yeah. I will say, I think the bottom tier of the album is what we're getting into. Not, again, to say that it's bad by any stretch of the word, but it's for what the rest of the album is, it leaves some to be desired. I, I can acknowledge that. I'll stress the word a little bit in a, in a minute. Oh, boy. <laughs> but not now. I wouldn't call Trouble Child bad. Trouble Child is weird. That's what I would say about it. Yes, I would absolutely agree. To this point, seven tracks in, halfway through the album, undisputedly the worst chorus. Easily. And the almost waltzy 3-4 time signature is really unusual. Yeah. It's not just on this album or for Journey, but in rock music in general. You don't hear it a ton. Yeah. I do like a lot of the lyrics on this one, though, which is the other weird part for it. Like, I like listening to this one for the lyrics. Yeah. And I love the bridge. Like, you talk about how the chorus is kind of meant, but I love the bridge for this one. That someday, bum, bum, some way, bum, bum. I really like that. And this is our next Moon Era song as well with Chasing the Moon in the bridge. <laughs> Shoot, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, though. A lot of these lyrics are really cool about, you know, young blood, cry tough. Miles away from trusting someone, desperate rebel, run away. Like, there's a lot of little really killer lyrics in here. Yeah. And wow, can Steve Perry hold out a note. That's what I noticed on this song. Uh Uh-huh. It's probably his longest note on the album. It's impressive. But I like Trouble Child well enough. I do. It's no faithfully or sender my love, but I think it's a good middle of the album track. Uh, It is also certainly no backtalk. Yeah, so now tell me what you think about Backtalk. Go ahead. Holy (laughs) crap. (laughs) I will be honest. This one is hard. Backtalk is hard. Yeah. I liked liked the drums at first. I was all on board with another drum song. And then he started, like, talk singing the verse. And I did not like it. Yep. The chorus is incredibly flaky. Another instance, I think, where you really would expect him just to have more of an edge. But he just doesn't. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, the buh 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 back talk is fun, I guess, but uh-huh. one of my notes is, where are the synths? 
who okayed this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, who listened to this song, recorded this song, and went, yes, that goes on the album. We need this extra three minutes and 16 seconds on there. It's a tough one. What do you think about Backtalk? It's my least favorite song on the album. You're reasonable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And by a long shot, too, I was shocked at how far off this one fell. If I was going to score this song out of 10, it'd be like a 3. I was worried about this one when I was trying to break into your... You know, when I said I was going back and forth between the albums, one of my biggest sticking points for picking this album was this song. I was worried how harshly you'd hold this song against them. It was one of my biggest concerns when it came to your score. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're appealing. I'm hoping for some leniency. For both me and Journey. Sure. But yeah, Backtalk. <laughs> I mean, it has some fun guitar stuff in it. It's not completely unsalvageable. Uh, no, not completely. There's that fun around what, like the two minute mark or something. There's that fun guitar solo. Yeah. Well, it is just not one I will be going back to often. That's fair. I can understand. <laughs> but that brings us to our title track. Title track. Yes, it does. I started listening to this one and I said, oh, I found all the synths that were missing from Backtalk. They <laughs> shoved them all here, doubled them up. <laughs> so the album cover, like we talked about, it gave me Tron, like Space Odyssey vibes. Yep. You know, like really like Pulp Fiction, sci-fi novel kind of sure. that stuff. But really, the opening of the title track, Frontiers, does too. Uh-huh. It does a good job of blending with their themes in the album and stuff. This is the one where I feel a little bit of jazz fusion just a smidge because i really love the rhythm between the drums and the guitar it's so much more complicated than it sounds uh-huh because it never lands on the beat you know it's always staggered funny there's a lot of complex instrumental work going on in this one yeah and that's very jazz fusion of them what the chorus do for you well we all need new frontiers is a great hook what a great line you know, we all need new things to explore. We all need something else. All the heroes have gone east of Eden. I really enjoyed it, at least lyrically and thematically. Melodically, I can't say it stuck with me a ton. Yeah. But I also, at this point, I mean, I was deep in getting blasted with Journey. Yeah. So I don't know how much was going to stick. That's the problem with an album that's so cohesive in its sound, in my opinion, is that the longer the album is, the harder it is to differentiate sometimes th some of the later tracks. Yeah. Because you've just been hit with it so much. Like the Leonard Skinner loaf of bread. Almost. Almost. I think Journey has enough variation that you never really get bored of it, but also it is very much similar or the same the whole way through. No, I was never claiming you were getting bored. I just think some of these lesser performing tracks suffer to stand out because, like, maybe frontiers would have stood out a little more if it was where chain reaction is i did think about that you might not have been so used to the sound by then that it might have stuck out a little more to you yeah but at the same time i want to change the order of where chain reaction is really you, know, you win some you lose some yeah i will say steve perry's got a great vocal in every sense but sometimes some of these lyrics get lost in the production the reverby spacey yelly vocals sometimes you lose a lot of the clarity of the lyrics yeah i can get that off of one listen yeah, where you're struggling to understand it. Yeah, trying to figure out where one word ends and the next one starts and what that vowel he's trying to enunciate is. But once you figure it out, it's great. It's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It helps to have the lyrics available on the internet pulled up next to me as I'm listening. Certainly, that takes a lot of the confusion out. But I, I looked away for a bit and just tried to decipher it by ear, and I found it surprisingly difficult. Sometimes. That's fair. Before I even started listening to Rubicon... The next track, I said, hopefully this song is back to a good blend of instruments. We were all drums and guitar, and then we were all synth. Rubicon did bring us back, but it was a little disorienting. I think Rubicon is where we get out of that little slump. Yep, agreed. The valley of the album. Rubicon pulls us back up. Yeah. Which is why it surprised me when I looked at the Spotify plays for it. I was like, wow, does not have as many plays as I would have thought. No. 
No, me either. It was a lot of guitar right off the bat, and it was a little disorienting with the rhythms and the way that it was coming at me. But it was interesting. I'm a huge fan of the chorus of this one, especially the second version of the chorus where it's built up some. They kind of ramp up the intensity for the second one. I'm a big fan of make a move across the Rubicon. Yeah. That's such a fun rhythm and vocal pattern. It's the melody of it is striking. Some interesting intervals there. Yeah. And I looked it up because I was curious and I'm not really familiar with the terminology. The Rubicon, it's a river. Yeah. I guess a river that Julius Caesar crossed. And colloquially now, people say it to like refer to a point of no return. Yeah. Like a flashpoint where once you pass it, there's no going back, you know? Yep. I love it. So, of course, it's basically saying you've passed the point of no return. Future's here. Go forth. It's time to take action. Yeah. The, the future is now sort of mentality. Absolutely. I really enjoyed Rubicon. It was cool and unexpected. And the chorus, again, just really satisfying. I like where the the drums and the guitar team up there on the chorus for the bump, 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 bump. It really feels like it's marching the song forward as if you're crossing the Rubicon. Right. As listeners, we are physically crossing the Rubicon as it mar- the song marches us forward. Yeah, I really did like that. It, how heavy it lands on those downbeats. Yeah. And that was cool when we got to the guitar solo because it really played with my sense of tempo a lot because <laughs> it, it was kind of all around a little bit. It wasn't so on the downbeats anymore, but it was really interesting. And honestly, almost a little like Van Halen-ish. I, I'd agree with that. I forget, is only the young one you knew? Only the young I absolutely knew, yeah. That's what I thought, okay. And that was, again, the one they opened my concert with. Interesting. (laughs) And it's another classic as far as I'm concerned. Sometimes they just really hit the nail on the head like this. I could not think of a single thing only the young could improve on. Yeah, Uh, the synths are on point for this one. I like the lyrics a lot. Yeah. The chorus is another excellent chorus. Really, is this a great guitar part? sweeping vocals everywhere yeah it's just so nice i do just kind of wish there was more to that chorus i feel like four lines is not quite enough i want more but maybe it's good to keep them wanting i don't know oh it would become a too much of a good thing sort of thing if they expanded on it too much true i just really like only the young i don't know no notes (laughs) no notes other than it's great it's great and then the last song you knew ask the lonely Oh, yeah. Ask Lonely. Woo! Why do you know this one, huh? People asking you stuff all the time? Dang! Wow! Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I couldn't Ooh, help it. Man. I came up with that joke when I was taking my notes for this album, and I had to do it. It wasn't very Year of Healing-like, but... No. I think we're going to have to add a couple extra seconds onto the Year of Healing. I, I feel like I owe you a couple across the the years we've been doing this sure sure well that's true i yeah no not because of that just because i'd heard it before thanks but it's just a solid rocker in contrast with the ballad-esque style of only the young yeah so i think it's interesting to put them back to back oh also the acapella section in ask the lonely Uh uh-huh huge big win for this track yep and we haven't even talked about it yet that's how much it flies under the radar but their harmonies are so good and so often overlooked i think because of steve perry's solo stuff and the instrumentals yeah i agree like they're both so impressive but their harmonies are a huge chunk of what makes up their sound and it's been everywhere throughout this whole album especially on a track that's more scaled back like after the fall yep I, again, I like the uh, the play between the instruments and the and the vocal melodies on this one, especially in like the chorus where the the instruments are going dun 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 dun, and then it pauses, it puts an arrest there for them to go, you know, and then they come back in. They play with the with the medium there a little bit. And I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I will say, when it came down to making a top three, ask the lonely 
surprised me. As in it made it or didn't make it? You'll find out in a bit. Oh. But yeah, that element of it is what surprised me. Interesting. I assume because you knew it, you expected it to go in the top three and it didn't. But I'll find out, I guess. You will find out. I am not at liberty to say. <laughs> Good transition. Um, what do you think of Liberty? Liberty? I glanced over the lyrics at first and it looked interesting. Just based on the lyrics, you know, I was cautiously optimistic. This is the most scaled back I think we've been at the start of a song. Yes. I thought the clean guitar part was really cool. I think it's a guitar. It almost sounds like a dulcimer. It makes me think of Appalachia. Mm. And that was really cool. You know, in the mountains lives a freedom. Yeah. Very mountain dwelling, like West Virginia vibes a little bit. Sure. I I get that. I also, one of my notes is, Steve, chill. (laughs) Because I do think he's going a little too hard on this one for a bit there. Where specifically? He does fine through the first verse. And he does pretty well for the second verse. But as soon as he says, from the Delta flows the Liberty... I feel like the gloves come off, and he just goes way too hard on everything else in the song. He's, like, screaming and yelling. Like, he loses the total, like, Tranquil Mountain vibes. Yeah, and with the clean guitar still, like, the, the guitar never gets dirty, right? No, so no. It's just him out there on his own going. Just screaming in the mountains. Yeah, okay, I can get it. I can hear it. It's so wild. <laughs> That's great. I'm just imagining him in the mountains screaming now doing when he's performing this yeah he's yelling it from the mountaintops i love it yeah (laughs) it's a wild one it's the shortest song here by a good bit it almost feels like an interlude because it's up against these four and a half or five minute tracks yeah i know it's the only one under three minutes (laughs) but it's not short it's still three minutes long it's just it's in really lengthy company. Yeah. I think it's different, but good different. Unlike Backtalk, which is bad different. But what about Only Solutions, the Tron track? Only Solutions, (laughs) the Tron track. Honestly, the Goldilocks song. Not too hard, not too soft. Really just just right. right. Okay. It was really reminiscent of their heavier songs in style, but the tone of Only Solutions was really clean and really light. It's just a good, easy way to end the album. Yeah, it's a good way to close out the album. It leaves you satisfied. Yeah. It doesn't leave you too amped up. It doesn't leave you too mellow or in a sad place from like a ballad. It It just brings you to a nice, even stop at the end of the album. Yeah, it's punchy. I do have to say, though, if you only have Solutions... You don't really need solutions because you don't have problems to solve. Anymore? No. You got rid of them all with all your solutions. You're left with only solutions. I like this. It's another call and response moment where we get to hear the band's harmonies really close. Yeah, where the harmonies come in with those only solutions. Kind of smooth. And then Steve Perry goes, don't pull me down. I just want to hear it. You know, that call and response. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I do think I remember hearing this at the end of Tron now that I'm listening to it knowing that. (laughs) I think that's the only reason I sat through the credits of Tron. It's because you like the song? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure when I finished the movie, I sent you a message and said the Journey song at the end was the best part of Tron. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did do that, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, and I stand by it. This is better than the whole Tron movie. If you ever feel the urge to watch the 1980s Tron, you just listen to Only Solutions for three minutes and 30 (laughs) seconds. Save yourself about an hour and 10 minutes. You'll be grateful. Oh, man. Really tearing down Tron here. That's true. I shouldn't kick it while it's down, but... Well, uh, that brings us to the end. We've come to our smooth stop, and it's time to final spin. Final spin, rock on. How do we do... I never remember. How do we do this on your picks? (laughs) We never remember how we do this. We tried the whole reverse systems thing, but neither one of us seemed to like it. No, and then we can't put it on our spreadsheets and... Yeah, so I think... We keep our scoring system the same, but 
I do let you have a top three in a Jamesable mention. Legacy. It's called Tron Legacy. Anyway, I couldn't remember at the beginning of the episode, so here it is. I, I remember that part way through, but didn't think it was worth blurting out. <laughs> no, here's the resolution for all you who've been sitting around wondering, hmm, I wonder what that Tron album is called, and you just didn't want to look it up. Or just screaming at us through the phone going, you idiots, it's Legacy. Now you know. So yeah, I guess I'll start since it's my album, um, and I'll kind of do it the way you do it, but still score it my way. I think it's a great album. I think it's a very cohesive album, as I said at the start. I'm not a big albums guy, right? I mainly do greatest hit stuff at least in the past i've become a little bit more of an albums guy through the course of this podcast yeah you have but this was one of the albums that i actually would listen to pre-podcast like this is an album i would go when i was like when i was in the mood for a journey i went and got this or i went and got escape mm-hmm. depending on what kind of journey i was in the mood for and typically it was this one lyrically it's got some standout lyrics on some of its songs like faithfully like we talked about but all in all i don't think the lyrics are ever necessarily bad sometimes they just get as you said lost in what else is happening in the song music gotta love it like they've got a distinct sound but yet so many different variations of that sound that pop up on this album and i love that i think it keeps the album fresh instruments and production they don't do a bad instrumental break anywhere on the album in my opinion i think they do some interesting back and forth with the instruments and some team ups between like the drums and the guitars like we talked about and vibe i vibe i'd be vibing i vibe <laughs> yeah cool great i think the album from start to finish with maybe a slight hiccup for back talk keeps me vibing the whole time i don't think i ever really stopped vibing mm-hmm. as for my score i think we know by now i don't waste a pick on something that isn't a 9 out of 10 for me. I don't know, though. Your Ray Stevens wasn't a 9 out of 10. A 9 or better out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I only get a, a, one of these picks every, every one a quarter, basically, basically is what it works out to. So got to make them count. So this one's getting 9. Ooh, I, I mean, I also did units because I wasn't sure how we were going to rank this. Oh, I'll, maybe I'll let you pick my unit for me. I'll let you pick between... <laughs> Nine five-head Elmos. Oh, I love that. And nine bullpump and platypi. Oh, those are both great. <laughs> I know. I think because it was new to kind of both of us, I learned, this was one of the things I learned when I was doing the research for this album. I think we're going to go with uh, nine five-head Elmos. Five-head Elmos. Sounds good. Well, if I were ranking this on your scale and doing just one through ten, I also would have given it a nine based on your other nines kind of calibrated for everything you've got going on. Okay, so if you were looking at my list, you, you would have put it on my list in the nines i would have yes okay but that means nothing to me tell me what i really care about (laughs) what you really care about Uh uh-huh uh-huh for me what i would have done on this album is reordered it interesting i think a lot of the big hits are clumped together we have that long stretch of objectively worse songs you're right those it's very top heavy heavy with those first five top heavy and then back heavy with only the young ass the lonely yeah and i mean there's nothing wrong with liberty or only solutions or rubicon or Frontiers, but they're all in a row. Everybody wants to have a big head and a big booty. Okay. Nobody wants any weight in the midsection. I mean... <laughs> right, right. Well, I still would have spread it out a little differently and cut back talk all together. Yeah, I agree. Back talk can go. It can go. But music, give it an 88. Mm, that's not high enough. Not saying that like your score is bad. I'm just saying that's not high enough for where I want to be. I know where I need to be. I know where this needs to average. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, I will say two of its scores do not begin with the digit eight. That doesn't mean they begin with a nine, so now I'm scared. Well, lyrics is not one of those scores either way. It's an 84 on lyrics. Okay, okay. 
I think there's a lot of stuff to like in the lyrics, uh, but a lot of times, I don't know, just getting hit with image after image for 58 minutes does get a little cumbersome, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Instruments of production, I could be slightly swayed on this, but I think it's a 90. A 90? Swayed like up or down? Slight up. I can maybe see it. All right, go up. Be, be swayed. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I like a 90. I am I am purring you. Please swayed it. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. You know what? You know what? I can actually uh, I feel oh. after talking about all these songs and listening to the whole album and kind of like sneak previewing them while we were talking again. Uh-huh. I do think I could take it up to a 92 on the instruments and production. A 92. Wow, it's jumping 2 points. Love that. I think that's not unreasonable. Okay. As for the vibe, I'm giving it a 90. A 90. I needed that to also be around a 92, I think. And then it might have averaged out just close enough, but I don't think it's gonna. Well, I don't even know where it landed now that I changed that. So let me take a look. <laughs> it certainly was. What I can tell you right off the bat is it certainly was your best attempt so far. Which means I'm getting better because you said the same thing about Ray Stevens, I think. <laughs> I did. I did. Definitely your best shot yet. This album comes in at number 138 Ugh. with an overall score of 88.6. Oh, the music and, and, and lyrics, they're just weighted out so much higher that I needed the scores, one of those to be a 90. Yeah, I think maybe that could have done it. We're not healed. Uh, not quite. That does put it above Lil Nas X Montero. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, it puts it below the band Camino, which is... I have mixed feelings about. That's interesting. It is, isn't it? I, I actually didn't tell you where I was putting it on my nines. We kind of skipped over that. but <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, where are you putting it in your nines? <laughs> that is a good question. I think it's going to go right above Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. Whoa. It might even go above Dua Lipa. Wow. might go above The Queen. For sure? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to put it above Dua Lipa. I'm going to put it right below Even Now by Barry Manilow. Wow. Told you. One of my favorite albums of all time. It's true. Oh, that's true. Nothing that I've brought has beat Dua Lipa yet. It's still my greatest. Well, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but not really. And Billy Joel. And Billy Joel. Also not really. But also not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Phil Collins, but also not really. Yeah. In terms of stuff you brought me that I wasn't already a huge fan of, nothing has beaten Dua Lipa. Right. Well, let me hit you with my top three. All right. In album order, because that's just the way we do things. Separate Ways, Sender My Love, Jamesable Mention to After the Fall. Okay. Although I really consider just putting it in the straight top threes. Faithfully, second Jamesable Mention to Rubicon. Nice. And another pick for Only the Young. Okay. You didn't put Ask the Lonely in. I didn't. It's my notable snub. Ask the Lonely, I was thinking about it and thinking about it, wow. and I was like, I don't want to take that many. And honestly, After the Fall and Rubicon stuck with me a lot more than Ask the Lonely did, despite having already known it. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I just listened to it again, and I was like, I liked those better. Great. As for my top three, it's the exact same, except I did take Ask the Lonely in there. I was not afraid to take that many. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> think I can count it against you because it's your pick. Well, and I believe I was owed one additional one, question mark? I feel like you said that last time. <laughs> well, no, didn't, didn't you end up taking an extra one last week? You took one additional? You're right. I did make a top three on Ariana Grande. Yeah. I've already forgotten. But then you didn't take them all because I was trying to charge you one per additional one above your, your one pick you normally get. Above one. That's right. That's right. And so you only took one additional mention, which gave me one additional okay. pick. So to me, since I took one extra one than you... Here, I think it just evens out, and we're and we're and we're even. Okay, 
I mean, I'll allow it. Sure. <laughs> the math works out. I've checked with the squirrels. Right. What do you want to do about the playlist? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I know you don't know. I don't know either. I don't want to take both separate ways in faithfully. I want to take no. one of them in something else. And my something else, I kind of want to take Cinder My Love. Oh, interesting. But if you've got other suggestions, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. I'd like to pose Rubicon as a suggestion. Oh, I am... I'm not against it. It was a total surprise for me. Dark Horse. I was just thinking Cinder My Love would be a, like the ballad. Well, I also think Cinder My Love pairs nicely with Rubicon. Do you want to not take either separate ways or faithfully? You want to snub them both? It's bold, but I don't know. I think separate ways gets played a lot. Yeah. I mean, as does faithfully. I'm I, I kind of with it. I'm kind of with yeah. it. I, I'm digging it. I was going to say, because faithfully is like good, but also... It's an outlier on this album for its production in a lot of ways. Yeah. I am going to miss the opening to Separate Ways. The da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
I'm gonna go repress backtalk. I'm just I'm gonna go watch Tron again. Sounds like we're both in for a bad night. Would you rather listen to backtalk or watch Tron? <laughs> I'd probably listen to backtalk just because it's shorter. What if you have to listen to backtalk the same amount of length as the movie Tron? Well, then I'd probably rather watch Tron. <laughs> At least then I get only solutions.